Hello, I'm Michael Williams, and you're listening to The Teller and the Tale, right here on Blues and Roots Radio. This week, I feature a Scottish storyteller, Tim Porteous, from East Lothian, Scotland. And this is literally a field recording. It was recorded while Tim and I were out for a walk in the woods and uh, walking across a field near his home. And he told me a story about, well, a local character, a character known as the Bruni. You might have to explain yeah, for some people what a Bruni is. When I was seven, no, I'd have been older than that, I'd have been about nine, um, there was a district nurse that knew my father in the pans, and she was, she was, she was a lovely woman. She would look after us occasionally. Uh, and she, her house is close to where my daughter's school is now. I often think of her when I pass the house. She'll be, she, I, I don't know, she died, I can't remember when it was, but I remember my brother telling me, so... 20 years ago or so. Her name was Rita Amos. And she had this extremely plain, simple council house with um, a wee TV in the corner and very little decor. And the TV was never on. I can never remember being in our house with the television on. So when we stayed, when I stayed, when she looked after me, we would sit there and she would make biscuits and a cup of tea. And she would talk. And what she would do is often tell stories mm. and by then I was already into stories I, I remember secretly going home um, at that age and even when I was in high school and watching a programme called, called Jack and Ori but it was a secret because it was for younger children I, 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 loved, I loved the whole idea of stories <laughs> one of the stories that Rita told me was about the Bruni of Butterbean Wood now at that stage I hadn't been to Butterbean Wood uh, and um, <clears throat> a Bruni is a is a creature from the other world, part of the fairy world. The Bruni, different words for for Brunies, but they, they're basically helping hands. They they tend to live in a house or a farm, and what they will do is they'll help out, but they help out secretly. Aye. They'll do a wee bit of housework or on a the farm. They might help you harvest the, the corn or thresh it or whatever. Yeah. And, you're kind of ken when you've got a, bru- a brunie in your house because these these jobs are being done. It's like having a little secret help. It's where the term brownie comes from. Okay. You know, the girls, yeah. they go around and do a good deed. Yeah, right, and uh, help out people. Help yeah. out people. Yep. So the brunie was helping out in a fair near um, Gladsmuir, um, not far from where we're walking just now, just up the hill here. Mm. And, uh, but one day, the brunie, who lived in the stable of the, the fair, heard the whinnying of, a, a, of the pony and when the Bruni had a look he was horrified to see the, the farmer's son beating the pony because the pony wasn't moving fast enough or doing what the farmer's uh-huh. son wanted it to do. And so the Bruni, of course, uh, was horrified at this cruelty to this poor innocent creature. And normally Brunies would be secretive and invisible to the human eye, as it were. They would keep hidden. But he jumped out immediately and he 
he, he roared at the, the farmer's son to stop beating the pony. Well, uh, the farmer's son wasn't very happy at this, tried to beat the Bruni. The Bruni was too fast for him. Uh, and then he threw his whip down and says, right, I'm off to get my gun. Now, the Bruni, of course, realising it was time to leave, but he no longer wanted to stay in this farm anymore and he no longer wanted mm -hmm. to help out. And so he led the, the pony to a safe, safe place and then he left and he actually decided he didn't want to hate anything there to do with human beings. I don't blame they, him. They didn't deserve a helping hand. Mm -hmm. And so where to go? Well, near Gladsmuir, there's a wood, Butterdeanwood. It's been there at least since the early 17th century. And as there are other tales about the wood, that this is a fairy wood, and it was a refuge for him. And so the story is that, as Rita told me, he decided that Butterdeanwood would be the best place to find refuge from human beings. Uh, and so he hides there. And if you go into Butterdeanwood, and if you walk very quietly and very carefully, you might find evidence of him being there, but you'll never see him. But of course, the moment he hears or sees human beings coming anywhere near, he will vanish and keep himself hidden. Now, I tell this story years later to my, my two oldest bairns, Mary and Morvan, when they were, when they were about 10 or 11, 12. And uh, we, they spent many, many happy a day in Butterdean Wood looking for this creature. And then, in the summer holidays, before my oldest, Mary, went to high school, we were walking in the wood, and they both turned round to me and said, I wish we could see him and explain to him that not everybody is cruel and unkind. So at least then he wouldn't be so fearful when he hears human beings. And maybe he'll trust us. And they had a discussion about how they should do it. And so what we did was we went into the wood, I had my camping stove, and we made porridge because what Brunies want is not thanks, a wee bit of porridge with a wee lace of honey. Aye. Nothing else. Aye. And so we left the porridge with the honey on a leaf and my daughter Mary wrote a wee note saying, and she read it out, uh, words to the effect, Dear Brownie, we know that you're afraid because of the cruelty that you've seen. We've made this porridge with honey for you to let you know that not every person is cruel and unkind. Mm -hmm. We understand why you hide but we hope we might be able to see you and that you will be able to trust us that we mean you no harm but if you decide to keep on hidden we understand it too right i hope you enjoy the porridge that is so lovely, that yeah. was that's so that's so i wrote that story and put it in put it in my book very nice there's the, and there's, there's a slightly later bit to it if you want that as well oh hey yeah. okay now, before we hear more of the story from Tim, uh, just let me remind you that you're listening to The Teller and the Tale right here on Blues and Roots Radio. Come here every week, a half hour of storytelling and storytellers. Now, if you've just joined us, uh, let me explain that you're listening to an actual field recording. Uh, I literally re uh, recorded uh, Tim uh, telling me this story while walking across a field near his home in East Lothian, Scotland. 
Um, and I, I quite like it. I, I like the, the sound of it. And I, if you're used to, to studio quality uh, recordings, well, I, I, I'm not going to apologize because uh, this is what it is. And I think it's the real thing. Anyway, let's get back to Tim Porteous uh, and more of his storytelling. A few years ago, now that was just before Mary went to high school. Mm-hmm. When she was in high school, she changed in terms of her perception of me as a storyteller. When she was younger, she was proud and would sit next to me and be happy for me to tell stories to her class. When she was in high school, she banned me. I was like, I had an exclusion <laughs> zone around her high school. And I had to, <laughs> she, I remember her talking about how embarrassing it was, the social death that her dad was a storyteller with funny <laughs> trousers and a daft hat and a funny stick. And she wanted me to be normal, like be a teacher or a bank clerk or something. Aye. But at the very least, just stay away from her class and from her school. So I never got the chance to go into the high school to tell stories. Then when she was 16, she came up to me one, one morning and she said, Dad, I've got, I've got someone I'd like you to meet. And of course it was her boyfriend, uh-huh. or her current boyfriend, as she said at the time. And I, I, I was, had mixed feelings because I thought, okay, uh, she's only 16, but I suppose, right. you know. Cautious dad, yeah. yeah cautious protective. dad, protective. Yeah. But she's, this is the first time she's asked, would you like to meet him? And of course I would. And I promised I would be my least embarrassing persona. I would put yeah. on non-colourful trousers and I wouldn't tell any stories or do any bad dad jokes or riddles and he came on a Sunday and we had a Sunday dinner together and it was quite nice but it was a bit of a stiff atmosphere and awkward and he was a polite lad mm-hmm. um, and uh, at the end of it Mary said would you like to go dad can we go for a walk can we go for a walk in Butterdean Wood and I thought that was a really nice idea because that's what we normally do when it's a nice day we always go for a walk in Butterdean Wood well, all my children have literally grown up walking in Butterdean Wood uh, and so we were walking through Barterdean Wood, and to my surprise, we walked to uh, the brownie table, uh, as we call it, where Mary and our sister, all those years before, had made the porridge and left the note. Right. And we sat there, and she looked at me, and she said, Dad, will you tell the story? Oh. And I looked at her, and I said, tell the story. She said, yeah, you know, tell the story. I said, OK. And she says, tell it all. And at first I thought she was joking, but she wasn't. And so there we were underneath the trees telling the story of the Bruni. And when I got to the end of the story and the Bruni went into the wood, my daughter said, no, Dad, the rest of it as well, about me and Morvin. And I looked at her and I thought, really? And so I told the story about her and Morvin and how they'd left the honey, left the note. That's lovely. And, And as we were leaving the wood... I said to her, Mary, I thought you were embarrassed that I was a storyteller. And she looked at me and she said, well, obviously, it's the most embarrassing thing ever. <laughs> uh, and, and I said, well, why did, you, why did you want me to tell that story then? And her reply, I'll always remember. Dad, you're the storyteller. If you don't know, then nobody will. Uh-huh. And I said, well, enlighten me then. Well, that story is part of who I am. I can't remember a time that I didn't know about that story and walking through the wood. I mean, I know now that the brownie doesn't really exist, but the thing is, I really believed it and it was a really special time. Mm. And, well, I quite like this guy and 
I wanted him to know who I really was. And when you were telling the story, mm. I was watching him. And if he'd laughed at it or made fun of it, I'd have dumped him like that. Just like that. Just like that. <laughs> and she's now, Dad, please, just be normal as we come out of the wood. <laughs> well, she dumped him later. <laughs> But it's so true, you know, she's so, you know, right, that we are made of stories. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's so wonderful the way she put that. And, and it's so vivid. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing, Tim, is that we're, we're what, maybe a week or so away from Father's Day. So oh, it's yeah, a yeah. perfect kind of story for today yeah, as yeah. we're uh, walking across the field. And of course, Mary, Mary wrote, the, wrote, the, wrote the preface to my children's book. Mm, mm. Yeah, tell us about that. About uh, the... Well, yeah, well, and it's, the, the, the story's not in that book because okay. it's in my first book. But um, I, I, I wanted, because Morvan illustrated my children's book, yeah. uh, Folk Tales from the, our county here in East Lothian. And I wanted Mary to be part of it as well. And I said, can you read, read kind of like an introduction, the preface? She says, well, what do you want me to write, Dad? I says, you just write whatever you want. Yeah. It's just about me, book stories or whatever. And uh, and so she, I didn't want her to feel like it was homework or anything. And one one night she just sat down and she just it was like a flow of consciousness. She just wrote it without thinking Lovely. about it, and she gave it to me. And she said, "Well, will that do, Dad? I've just written what I think, what I, what I believe, what I feel." And I read it. And what was the essence of it? Oh, I don't know. just the stories of who she is. Part of her too. Yeah. 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 And um, how she remembers yeah. them, yeah. and urging other children who read the book to yeah. enter into the world of stories. Uh, now she's in her mid twenties, and in our conversations, she kind of goes, "Well, she knows that the brownie does exist, mm -hmm. but not in the way she thought it existed yeah. when she was younger." Yeah, and she will most certainly tell that story to her children if she ever has any. Yeah, without a doubt. She's told me that, and um, especially if I'm not around. Mm. Mm. And your younger children, of course, too. They, they, they love stories, and they love creating stories, too, don't they? I love creating stories. My, uh, it's my birthday tomorrow, and Sky is happy that we left the house because she, she's been nagging me to get on my computer, and I've been saying no, and it was only late. It's, it was only my, my wife said, but it's because she's writing a a story for your birthday. Oh, that's nice. That's and nice. She's told, she's, she doesn't keep secrets very well. She's told me what the... She's told me what the title is. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know the story, but the title is The Lost Elephant. Ah. And she knows that the, the elephant is my favourite animal. That's nice. So I'm yeah. really... I hope the elephant finds its way yeah. in the story, and I'm sure it will. And all my kids love stories, and we do stories every night. And currently... The most favourite stories is when I was wee, you know, when I was a, a wee boy, mm -hmm. and when they were wee. Right, yeah. So now I have to write my brains about little memories of when they were younger, so times when they can't remember so much, but sometimes you do remember them. Yeah. And yeah. also when it was like, what it was like when I was younger. 
Yeah. And, and also stories about my dad and about my mum. Um, Mania remembers my mum a bit because she was three when she died. But of course, Sky and Lewis. These stories are so important. Yeah. They? they help uh, connect children to their to their. They uh, absolutely do. Their family, their their, their the tr- the ancestry, and they feel that they they come from something that's that's greater than them, at, just as individuals. You know that they really belong. Absolutely, and more than that, uh, when she was fifteen, I put her on the spot by asking her to to tell a story at an event at the storytelling centre, and, and 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 I said, "Do you want some help with a story?" And she just looked at me and she gave me that kind of teenage look. <laughs> I said, Dad, you've been telling me stories since I can remember. I don't need any help, for goodness sake. And she went up and she stood the most, she told the most beautiful story uh, about my dad uh, and, how, and how he made a, a homemade banjo uh-huh. and, I, and how I discovered him doing it when I was, when I was in P7. Yeah. And um, she just told it. She just told it just right off, without any preparation or anything. And I went up to her and I said, oh, that was so beautifully told. And she got the audience in tears. And, uh-huh. and uh, I, said, I, saw, so, I said, you know, my goodness, how did you remember that story? She says, Dad, you've told us that story three or four times. And the thing is, it's not just your memory anymore. Even though I've never met my granddad, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he died long before I was born, it's my memory of him as well. Yeah. You're listening to The Teller and the Tale with me, Michael Williams, on Blues and Roots Radio. And my guest this week is Tim Porteous, Scottish teller, uh, storyteller from East Lothian.
And that's the Moon Bicycle theme from American Moon Bicycle, um, produced by Blue Dot Sessions. You're listening to The Teller in the Tale, right here on Blues and Roots Radio. Before we uh, return uh, to my interview with Tim, um, let me tell you a little bit more about him. Tim was born and raised in the town of Preston Pans, uh, on the coast of the, the Firth of Forth in East Lothian. Tim's father was a minister, and it's uh, some of his father's stories that constitute uh, some of Tim's earliest memories. But he says it was his grandmother on his mother's side. Uh, his grandmother had a penchant for uh, tall tales. And, uh, well, uh, we see this in Tim as well. Um, it was probably about 10 years ago that Tim won uh, the tall tales competition at the Scottish Storytelling Center. But he always has, from the time he was a child, he's loved nature, and many of his stories reflect that. Um, even when I was walking with him, Tim knew a great deal about um, the surrounding area, Gladsmere and the, the woods and so on, and the, the various creatures. And these are some of the stories that his, he got from his grandmother, uh, telling of mythical, mythical tales and creatures that uh, lived in the forest. So it's no surprise that uh, Tim uh, loves to use storytelling to reconnect people with nature and uh, enhance their their knowledge uh, and their appreciation uh, of the natural environment. Tim also has a fascination with history. He holds uh, an MA in history, and uh, you'll see this often reflected in his weekly column uh, for the East Lothian Courier. Uh, that he writes for under the heading Tim's Tales. Tim has told stories all over schools, festivals, libraries, sheltered housing projects, private functions, all kinds of festivals and so on. He's also an experienced uh, tour guide uh, and of course storytelling it was always central to that. He's not only told stories uh, in uh, and throughout Scotland but he's told abroad as well in the Czech Republic, Portugal, Spain, Germany, Sweden, Slovakia, uh, many, many places. He loves sharing um, his stories about his native Scotland. And often, of course, as you can hear, uh, loves to tell tales in his native Scots dialect. But most of all, Tim is uh, such a good friend of mine. I met him, uh, gotta be more than 10 years ago. Um, I spent a couple of years living in Preston Pans and uh, Tim was, was really my first friend um, and uh, he acquainted me with the, with the town and told me so much about the history of it. Uh, I've come to love it, and uh, Preston Pans will always, always uh, be in my heart and be a, be a part of me. Um, and Tim's home, um, as he'll uh, often remind me, is, is my home as well. Uh, and in fact, um, there was a time some time ago when I needed um, a, a place, he gave me a key to his house. Now, he's since changed the locks, but I still uh, I keep the key as a kind of symbol of Tim's friendship. Uh, a wonderful friend um, in his lovely fa family, Katerina, his wife. Uh, he has five children, four daughters, uh, and, a, and a son. So, Tim, uh, I hope you're listening to this. Um, I love you, buddy, and uh, I want to get right back to your story right now. So without any further ado, let's go back to Tim Porches. With the older girls, I quite often, uh, when we go for a coffee in the town or whatever, I walk around the town and I just tell them everything I can remember. Yeah. And Morvan soaks it up. Or we went to my old school. And what was really interesting a wee while back, I went to one of the old schools that I was at and I was explaining what the place used to look like. And the guy was, 
it's now all flats and one of the guys was a bit suspicious about what we were doing and when I explained it and, and then he started to talk about what it was like you know when he moved in and years ago and it was exactly as I had described yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and what he said about the improvements and the, the changes I went oh that's why that door's not there anymore oh I see you know <laughs> and of course Morvan just soaked it all up and I could show her where the window was where we used to chuck out our lumpy mashed potatoes because we couldn't <laughs> eat them because they were so disgusting and although that's not a big story it places a roots a place yeah. in your ancestry yeah this is where my granddad, my, my great granddad, or whoever yeah. you never met, used to throw out the lumpy potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> because they were, they were yeah. cold and congealed and inedible, oh. really. Um, <laughs> um, and just it's so powerful because you remember them, and, and as Morvan said, your memories become their memories, and that's yeah. the greatest gift you can give your kids. It sure is. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, for those of you like Tim, how could people listening to to this? How can they find out more about you? Do they like? Do you have a you have a Facebook place Facebook, or a yeah, website or anything? Yeah, good my name, my Facebook. Yeah. Don't use my Facebook site. That I've got you know a, a storytelling Facebook page, but I don't use it that much. I'm not mm-hmm. very good online. Um, but and my, my personal one's mostly about family. But yeah. yeah, they can find me online in Storytelling Centre. And, and they can also read your, read, read stories because you, yes. you, you read your books. And, and I write uh, for the Courier. Yeah. Write for the East Lothian Courier, yeah, every week. Every week. Tim's yeah. Tales, it's called. Tim's Tales, and you've been doing that for over 10 years? Over 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. Make sure if you Google Tim's Tales, you put my name yeah. as well. Okay. Because if you okay. just Google Tim T- Tim's Tales, you'll get something very different coming oh, up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> uh, thanks, Tim. And there you have it. My interview with Scottish storyteller Tim Porteous from the town of Preston Pans in East Lothian, Scotland. Uh, it was a lovely uh, afternoon, and as you probably heard there, uh, it was just uh, about a week before Father's Day uh, in June of 2022. It was a lovely, lovely day, and thanks, Tim, for uh, taking me out on that walk through the woods and across the fields and hearing your stories uh, about the Bruni and uh, also, of course, um, uh, your love of storytelling and family uh, in particular. Wonderful family you have. The Teller in the Tale is uh, here every week uh, on uh, Sunday mornings at 7.30. Uh, that's Eastern Time. Uh, so that'd be 12.30 over there in the UK. Uh, but check um, for times uh, in, in your area. Uh, you'll have to get out the old time converter. Um, if you want to find out more about Tim, by the way, he is on Facebook. But if you Google Tim Porteous, P-O-R-T-E-U-S, Tim Porteous, uh, you'll find some other sites, LinkedIn, uh, the Scottish Storytelling Centre has a, or Track Scotland um, has a, a page about Tim. And don't forget the uh, East Lothian Courier, where you can find Tim's uh, weekly column, Tim's Tales. And as you said, if he said, uh, if you're Googling that, make sure you put in Tim Porteous. Uh, Tim's Tales in the East Lothian Courier. I think you'll love it. Well, that's all the time we have. Uh, I'll be back next Sunday, as I said, at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time, and we're repeated on uh, Thursdays. Um, And check bluesandrootsradio.com for details of times in your area. And don't forget to check out The Teller and the Tale on Facebook. And you can also go to thetellerandthetale.com. But I'd love to hear from you on uh, Facebook and uh, leave comments and let us know if you uh, enjoyed the show. 
And what are some of your favorite stories and storytellers? And by the way, all the music on the show today is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions. Until next time, this is Michael Williams saying goodbye for now. May all your once upon a times and happily ever after. I'm J.D. Edwards. And I'm Kara Left. And we're the Small Glories. You're listening to Blues and Roots Radio.